Thompson gone for hire. Fighting to be done. The deal was made in Denmark on a dark and stormy day. So he set out for Biafra to join the bloody fray. Come 66 and 7, they fought the Congo Wars. Lots of fingers on the trigger, knee deep in gore. For days and nights they battled the band to, to their knees. They killed to earn their living and to help out the Congolese. Rolling the Thompson Gunner. Howdy, folks. This is a muncher-only stream. If you're not a munch head, if you have not accepted muncherism as the only meaningful ideology of the 21st century, then you need to log off this chat. This is for munch heads only. Muncher, number one. Munch. Munch house. The munch is loose. Uh, people don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, it was revealed that the new Slimer for the sequel slash reboot of Ghostbusters. Just have to stop myself from doing some, miming something that might get me taken off of the stream. Uh, is, been, is out. And his name is Muncher. Uh, and he is, if someone wants to put a picture of him in the, uh, in the chat here, it'd be helpful. Uh, or you can Google him yourself. He is, uh, I don't have a way to show it, I'm sorry. I guess I should draw a picture of him or something. He is green. He is blue instead of green. He has six arms instead of the two. Uh, and then he has a face of pure misery. He looks just an embodiment of agony. He looks like one of the damned souls in a Bosch painting. He is pure uh, anguished existence. He is begging for a death that has already come. Uh, as opposed to Slimer, who's like just a big fat party animal who enjoys putting a lot of hot dogs in his mouth. And what's interesting about this to me, and the reason that I, I Muncher speaks to me, uh, is something that a friend of the show, uh, Josh Androsky, said. He said that Muncher is gritty for people who know that it's over. Uh, Muncher is a mascot of, of true hopelessness because think about the trajectory that you have to do to go from Slimer to Muncher. What is the distinction here? How, how, are, we to, how are we to place the Muncher in context? So first we have in the original Ghostbusters, we have the ghost himself, the Slimer. And what is the Slimer? The Slimer is a being of pure desire. The, the Slimer, he seeks to consume. He cannot, not for digestion, not, not for nutrients, but purely for the pleasure of consumption. And he is presented as such, as, as, as a being of, of a pure expression and desire and lust. The, 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 the Lacanian subject. What is Mancher? Mancher seeks the same out, outcome. The Mancher seeks to consume. The Mancher, they uh, are quick to point out, he wants to eat the corn. There is corn behind the Mancher, and the Mancher, he wants to eat the corn. This is key that the Mancher also, much like the Slimer, he wants to eat the corn. But, but this is the crucial dis dis distinction, 
The muncher does not enjoy the consumption of the corn. The muncher is at no point in finding his pleasure even momentarily satisfied because he is the simulacra, he is the, the copy of the copy of the original Slimer. His, his consumption has consumed him. His failure to realize his desires has consumed him and left him unable to enjoy anything. Much as we, the consumer of the programs, of the films, are left to watch the Ghostbusters film, but have to have none of the pleasure of first watching the Ghostbuster, the original busting of the ghost. Because the munch muncher is Slimer emptied of any reason for being. Because Muncher's there because the Ghostbusters, uh, Slimer was there because he was part of the concept of Ghostbusters, that genuinely insane man Dan Aykroyd thought of, and he was a part of that. Muncher only exists because a certain segment of the population has heard of Ghostbusters, and therefore an investment of money into the Ghostbusters franchise has some degree of probability of being recouped at some degree of level that can be put on a piece of paper to mark to market accountant to keep the flow of, uh, of bonds circulating through your, your corporate entity. That's it. That's why Muncher exists. And so even though he's doing the same thing that Slimer was doing, consumption from beyond the grave, this hung literal hungry ghost, a literal hungry ghost, uh, his pleasure has been robbed of him. And also, the other reason that he is divorced is he, of, of pleasure, of, of any satisfaction, is because he truly is Slimer after 40 years of being Slimer, much as we collectively are Slimer after 40 years of being Slimer. Like America, in its post-70s form, is a place where all questions of democracy, of autonomy, control over one's life, and circumstances of life have been seeded in exchange for credit, basically. And, and with that credit, the ability to consume cheaply. So what has that left us? It started the go-go Reagan 80s. We were the bright green goblin stuffing hot dogs in our mouth, exultant in the pleasures that come with unlimited access to cheap goods. Anything we can imagine. It doesn't matter that industrial, uh, industrial policy and employment policy and wages are no longer de democratic questions that uh, our control over the, the pace of and conditions of and substance of work has been lost unless you can make it through the gauntlet of uh, postgraduate education and get, a, uh, get some job that gives you some illusion of meaning, even though even there you are fully at the whim uh, of your employer, what we've given that up, that section of, of human self-realization, uh, self self-actualization has been seeded in exchange for consumption. And what have we done? We have consumed. And where has it left us? It has left us at Muncher. It has left us sickly blue, blue, the color of depression. Off, uh, covered in arms to grab, to grab desperately, and a face racked in 
to quote myself referring to the baseball crank, another signal of the time, an anguished rictus. And that is why I believe that Muncherism is 21st century Marxism and must be supported against all critics. We love Muncher, don't we, folks? We love him. We love the bunch. Look at this guy. Look at him. He's blue. He's got the arms. Man, he's gone. Can you guys, have you guys been able to get your head around how fast Trump disappeared after being the only person in America in some significant ways for four years? He is now an unperson. We just, like Kaiser fucking Soze. I got to say, I did not see that one coming. And I think more than anything, it boils down to them get it, taking away his Twitter account. Uh, and I think something about getting the Twitter account taken away and honestly, Deutsche Bank pulling the plug uh, disciplined him, like deeply. As much as he wishes he was still out there screaming into the void so that he could fill the void with himself, he is, he's finally, for the first time maybe in his life, feared a consequence. And as a result, he is allowing himself to be forgotten. Because remember, he has the choice. He could be out there. He could be continuing himself. Like Twitter account or no Twitter account, he could just say, hey, I'm going to a, a, a rally. You want to come? Problem is, he would have to do that stuff himself now. The machinery that existed before to allow him to say, I want to go to the Alamo. And then they go to Alamo, Texas, because... Even the people he surrounds himself with, even the professionals are morons. He can't just press a button and have that happen anymore. And so he can't do anything. It really does tell you, and it really should tell more than anyone the libs, that he was never in charge of this thing, whatever you want to call it. He was never a puppet master. He was never a string puller. He was always being allowed to do what he could what he, what he wanted because it served the interests of other people. And that's the thing that people who like to point out like when you're trying to argue about fascism, oh god, they'll say it doesn't you can't point out that Trump is incompetent. The real fascists, the original fascists were incompetent. Yeah, Hitler and Mussolini were a couple of complete fail-son dipshit fuck-ups. They were guys who were in politics first and foremost because they couldn't get any other fucking work and they were too lazy or uh uh, lacking in, in actual skill to support themselves any other way than getting on a stump and bullshitting to people. I should talk. I'm in the same phylum of human. I mean, I hope I'm not as evil and I'm honestly not as charismatic, but they were fuck-ups. And when they took power, they didn't become any less fuck-ups. They were essentially gamers. I mean... D-Day succeeded in part because they were t the German high command was too afraid to wake up Hitler because he slept till noon every day during World War II. And Mussolini was like banging 15 of his mistresses a day in his stupid palace while looking at a giant globe. Like they were, they were just, they were lazy dipshits. The reason that they were able to take power is because they were given power by powers that saw use in them. And Trump was useful and he no longer is. And we are seeing that absent those supporting institutions, he has no independent uh, ability to operate. Which is why uh, it would be hilarious if they... Oh, God, no, I'm just saying if they're going to do it. This stupid fucking impeachment. Oh, my God. The dumbest shit on earth. 
absolute, I mean, honestly, you can't get mad at it or demand they stop doing it. They're Democrats. That's what they do. But this is bullshit about holding him accountable. I'm sorry. He left. He lost the election. He's out of office. What? You're going to double kick him out of office? And this idea that, oh, you're going to banish him from future office? We've already seen how much he is dependent on all these exterior things to keep him in power. And secondly, hey, if you don't want to fucking face him in 2024, how about you do anything to deserve another fucking term? How about that? And that goes for the Republican Party, too. How about you, like, become coherent in some way to oppose just being pushed over by this guy? And I honestly think the reason they're doing this impeachment trial is because they know in their hearts he's not going to get a criminal trial because we cannot hold anyone who's ever held real power in this country criminally liable for anything. Nobody can even imagine that anything they do, either in or out of office, either in or having to do with their being president or not, seeing the inside of a jail cell, oh, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. Because as soon as that taboo breaks, then the politicized can, uh, prosecution of political enemies and losers is on the table. And these guys are all criminals, so they don't want to have that happen. And so instead, we're going to get a big, stupid trial in the Senate that will waste everyone's time and do nothing. And will just further emphasize to anybody casually paying attention to the to proceedings that these the Biden administration these fucking Democrats don't give a shit about anyone and they will be correct do I go for it on fourth down of course I do that was one of the most Absolutely. I mean, I can't get too mad. I haven't really been watching this year. I haven't really cared about football for a while. I really more at this point just want my boy Aaron Rodgers to get another ring because I think he's such a such a pretty quarterback. But I did watch that game, and that last that was a ba- one of the most baffling. Just I felt the spirit of Mike McCarthy cackling with delight, and now he's gone. He's definitely gone. Bye bye. Apparently, he took a flight to D.C. to talk to Dan Snyder, which, hilarious if it happens. And you know what? He, I, it would be fun if he, if he did like a, a Tom Brady and went to another team and immediately won a Super Bowl. But we'll see. Bye-bye. Yeah, no, that was baffling. That was, that was really not great. I did not buy any GameStop stock. GameStop stock. GameStop stock. No, I didn't buy any of that. Because at this point, it feels like it's too late, right? I mean, obviously, they can keep going for a while, but I don't want to be the last money in there. I'm, never, I'm not on Reddit. And this truth, maybe I should be on Reddit more. Get on the ground floor for some public criminal behavior. This has to be intervened with, right? Like, there's a, there's a fucking hedge fund that had to get a private bailout to the tune of $2.5 billion because these fucking taquito-eating motherfuckers on Reddit decided to buy a bunch of GameStop stop to GameStop stock with their stimulus checks. Wall Street cannot allow that to continue. There will have to be prosecutions or some sort of regulatory crackdown just because not because it's wrong or even illegal, 
but because it is too disruptive to the flow. It's, too, it's adding too much unpredictability to a system that is already clearly teetering. Of course, one thing they could do is uh, crack down on short selling, which is what this whole thing was premised on, but can't do that because that's, that's how the real people make money. Yeah, we're certainly, definitely not in a, in, a, in a bubble. People asking about Glenn Greenwald or uh, fucking Jimmy Dore, bad faith, force the vote. People are very frustrated by all these arguments one way or another, or, having, or they're frustrated that they're being had. This is the outcome of losing and having Trump gone. Like, if you have invested in you know, politics to this point, if your politics have been shaped by this online discourse uh, and by the underlying assumption that online discourse can provide meaningful guides to action or meaningful coordinations of behavior that can affect politics, then this moment where the Democrats are in power, there's no real plausible way to pressure them now uh, and because the Dem Republicans are right there, that 50-50 Senate, oh, oh, God, perfect for them. To, get, to push off, uh, to, for, each Dem for each base to be placated with uh, accusations against the other for not being unifying enough. We get back to the Obama years in every sense, but now with a fully developed political social media subculture, which didn't really exist under Obama, or it was like, it was, it still existed, but it was, it was in this weird transitionary period between the blog era and social media, like that whole tr uh, Obama years, you didn't really get until the second, like the, the last, uh, the last two years of Obama's term before you get something really like the even early emergence of an, a self-conscious online, like left wing uh, movement to use the word incredibly loosely. And so now you're going to have a fully developed one with the same dynamic, the same dynamic of powerlessness at the bottom and a Republican part, a Democratic and Republican Party dedicated to, you know, bipartisan austerity in the face of misery uh, at the top. And that means that, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of hay to be made and a lot of incentive for people to create big sparky fights with each other to simulate forward movement, to simulate power and authority more than anything. That's the really important part, is that this stuff is about creating the illusion of momentum forward. Because if you're fighting with somebody who is on another show, uh, on another, uh, has their own, you know, uh, click, and you can uh, criticize them, have them criticize you, that dynamic, that conflict can simulate a, like the, a, a movement finding a direction. Like it becomes our uh, virtual reality version of, you know, like a floor fight at a convention. Only there is no convention and there is no party and there is no um, power. And then no one, more importantly, none of the people represent anyone. They don't represent anyone in the sense that 
there's a coordinated group of people who have like certain demands, have certain um, they're on the block. All they have is uh, viewers. And the thing about viewers is, is that there's a lot of reasons that you watch something or listen to something. They don't always, they don't correspond politically because it's not really politics, it is entertainment. And I'm not really condemning this. I'm not saying it's bad. I think the argument that it's bad is premised on another misconception, which is if people weren't doing this, they would be doing something more productive. And maybe if they were online less, they would find something more productive in their lives, but as long as they're gonna be on here, anything they do is going to be non-productive. Uh, the, I guess I just, I just personally cannot invest the energy in it. But it's because people feel frustrated. I mean, my God, we're, we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. The fucking economy is teetering on collapse. They're, uh, they're, got their thumbs up their ass about everything. Uh, there, is, there is essentially an admission by the power, the, the party that just took power in a huge bukkake of self-importance, this absurd spectacle of inaugural, the return of sanity and unity and decency, and then immediately said, yeah, there's really nothing we can do about any of this stuff. The fucked up vaccine rollout, the massive increase, the, 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 massive, the numbers of deaths, Oh, more strains coming. Uh, we're going to see about, we're going to listen to the science, but that still means reopening stuff because there's no alternative to keeping the goddamn economy moving, to keep the money circulating because we have no large scale com uh, capacity or interest in doing anything else. Anything that could actually be a meaningful check on uh, spread. Instead, Fauci's out there today saying, you know what, maybe wear two masks. So that now, when you're out, you can feel better about yourself for having two masks, and you can judge all those other people who only have one mask. And then the people with one mask now have like a nice precarity where they can feel superior to the people who don't wear any masks, and then feel like a weird hostility and uh, resentment of people who show off by wearing two. And so you get another layer of resentment field uh, uh, self-expressive politics to make up for the complete lack of any coordinated fucking uh, ameliorative project here. And in such a context, why wouldn't you be pissed? Why wouldn't you want to see someone to blame? And if you really have spent the last four years convincing yourself that these debates push the wheel forward in some way, then... There's a lot of emotional investment in picking the right leaders and holding the wrong ones to account for their bad faith and their bad views. I mean, the people, a good example of this is the Boogaloo Boy thing with Jimmy Dore. How many Boogaloo Boys are there in this country? Realistically, how many of these guys exist? What difference does it make? 
And either way, and I'm sorry, people say this is like monstrously dangerous because, oh, people are going to flood into their movement. No. No. It's all bullshit. It is, it is, you are, you are, you're talking to this, in, you're talking to and about a incredibly self-selected group of political maniacs. People who have driven themselves mad by politics one way or another and are invested in, like, public performance of politics. That is a thin slice of the population that cannot and will not, like, uh, spontaneously regenerate, like, expand its size. And the idea that, well, these people are being funneled into it, who is being funneled where? Everyone is just online, and you have to be a certain type of mindset to see this whole fucking thing playing out and go... Yes, I'm going to wear a Hawaiian shirt and carry a gun around at a protest. And that, that combination of stuff, the very last step of that is whatever they see on the internet. That's the last thing that gets someone there. It's, and honestly, the least consequential step of all of them. It's almost arbitrary. I am not the most soy person ever, thank you very much. At least, uh, at least I have an actual beard. I did used to have a neck beard, I will admit. But I do have an actual beard. I always annoyed me when people would say, call me a neck beard, after I got a real one. Because I'm like, I'm sorry, sir, this is not a neck beard. Oh, good, thank you. Someone asked about that hilarious uh, American con uh, conservative piece saying that we need a Salazar. Mwah. I love that because it really does show a lot of uh, the, very, the pathologies we're talking about here. Um, if people don't know, Salazar uh, is like the, he should really be more loved amongst like the, the dork right, you know, like the, the book nerds, like the guys who, uh, uh, the, the incel types, because he is of the 20th century European dictators. He didn't come out of like the military or anything, or even politics. He was a professor. He was an economics professor. And when the military overthrew the uh, government in Portugal, uh, they, no one really knew what to do. And the only competent person in, in, who got a, a portfolio was Salazar, who, because of his technocratic uh, uh, economics, economic um, skills, was made finance minister, and he did such a dang good job that they made him prime minister, and eventually he was able to consolidate power around himself and away from the military. Uh, and then he had like a Franco-esque run as a super, as the as, as prime minister of the Estado Novo, the new state, which is like the syncretic thing that he created there. Uh, and there's a whole, and him and uh, Franco also shared the fact that their deaths were very prolonged, and in Salazar's case, kind of comical because Salazar had a stroke. Uh, and everyone thought he was going to die, and an opponent, and, and a, a, a successor was appointed and was already ruling when he came out of the coma. Uh, and they didn't want to, I mean, they'd already done the transition, it was going, and nobody knew how many marbles he still had, so instead of putting him back in charge, they just told him he was back in charge and gave him like a little desk and a little phone that didn't connect to anything until, and then waited for him to die. And then after that, 
the, uh, his successor was overthrown by a communist-led military coup. Well, a very rare thing indeed. The Carnation Revolution, which, as I have said, is the closest thing we really have to anything we can hope for. So this is sort of like the right-wing flip side of that. Like, I'm, I'm pining for a, uh, a, a American Carnation Revolution, and the American conservative is pining for an American Estado Novo. But one thing that it really exemplifies is how, what I'm saying and refers to that I was talking about, the total boutique uh, irrelevance of all of this online argumentation. Like, I would say one in a thousand Americans knows who fucking uh, Salazar is at most. This is just a thing for nerds to talk about. And then even in the... But even on its own terms, it's a failure. Because I read that piece, and obviously it's garbage, and he soft-sells Salazar's brutality because it, it, they were brutal. It was a brutal police state. They tortured and murdered communists. They had concentration camps. And also, they carried out horrifyingly brutal uh, colonial wars, long past the point when it was pretty clear to every other colonial power in Europe that it was no longer viable to have these things. Uh, he was one of the last supporters in Europe that uh, the illegal white minority government in Rhodesia had. Which he didn't talk about. But what he did say in the article is he created this beautiful syncretic thing, this paternalistic traditionalism that gave everybody like security where they were and prevented the market from like totally destabilizing everything and prevented, most importantly, politics from poisoning every relationship. And the, and that since we're all too politicized now to really deal with one another, and that is true, and this thing that we have to deal with, the fact that like the the basic premise of of um, like political collaboration that has to undergird even partisan conflict has dissolved. Like that's a real crisis that we need to deal with. But is but the idea that the way to solve that is some uh, integralist uh, state shows you how just how much people don't understand what America is. Because even if you accept his description of the Salazar regime, of this, I don't know, on face value, the thing that allowed it to work is that it was, it truly was like a barely post-feudal, hegemonically Catholic country that actually did have like social traditions that could undergird a political order. The idea that America could ever duplicate that is insane because there is no social bedding, social um, restraint to individual desire. Everybody in America, like the American traditional uh, ideal that, the, that, that would have to undergird whatever he's talking about, our version of that like Catholic individualist, which certainly couldn't be Catholic because you know there aren't that many Catholics in America and most of the ones who are and most of the Catholics we do have are Protestant. What we have, what we have as like an embedded social tradition is I get to do whatever I want. And that's true of conservatives as true as it is of the most licentious liberal. And I think the last four years have shown that pretty clearly. Any argument that, 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 there's, that the patriarchal uh, capitalist Protestant order that like woke capitalism is overthrowing is in any way more like... Uh, that is, is any more and more socially restrained, any, any way less 
maniacally committed to self-satisfaction at the expense of everyone else. Like, I get to do what I want when I want, and, and limitations on me are, in fact, limitations on freedom. Conservatives believe that just as much as, you know, the decadent Bushwick uh, witches that they hate do. There is no social framework that involves uh, an idea of social expression and liberty that is not maximal. Like, and is not maximally committed to personal, for personal satisfaction. And for Americans, that means, uh, more than anything, resource consumption. And if that's what it is, you cannot have any stable uh, non-political order overrule that uh, and, 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 and coordinate that. Because figuring out who gets what is politics. And if there's nothing in your social framework that even suggests that anybody else but you get everything, then you need, <laughs> uh, you need either a strong... Like uh, alienated technocratic, uh, you need a strong. If you have a government that's going to work at all, it's going to be it's going to necessitate as much access to resources as possible. And our crisis is a crisis of resource access and the reduction of it, the reduction of the expectation of it, more than anything. And. Salazar could tell to the, the hungry masses of the 30s, go to mass. Stop, stop, wanting, a stop wanting a car. Go, go to mass. Or they wouldn't even consider that. For the most part, you're talking about incredibly poor people in Portugal. They just wanted to fucking eat. But you could say, hey, the, the, the fucking, you know, the bishop doesn't want you to do that. Think, think of everybody else. There's nothing doing that. There's nothing to, to ground us. There's nothing to work from. Even if the, uh, the, the uh, normal Americans, even if our like, white middle class, the white middle class base of conservative reaction in this country took power, there'd be nothing there to ground them. Because everything I want, when I want it, is the sum total of American culture and America's expectation of um, life. And the only way that maintains itself is uh, domination and extraction at home and abroad in some combination. But yeah, it reminds you that the right is just as out to lunch. Like the, the online intellectual right is as out to lunch as the left is is as committed to building their little ships in a bottle at, and fantasizing about uh, autonomy and ability to, to influence the market and politics as the left is. People want me to talk about Australia Day. I have no idea why you would. What, what, what about Australia? It's, is that like the 4th of July for Australia, basically? I'm assuming that every year it's a big culture war thing because of the whole settler colonial genocide deal.
I don't know why they fucking are so what wrapped up about Australia. Don't get too attached to it. It will be uninhabitable in 20 years. I would not get too, uh, like, fixated on, on that. Hey, thanks. someone is asking about Kurt Schlichter. I, I was, I DM'd some friends of mine the other day, and I said, what the fuck happened to him? He, this is his moment. He wrote two books about an America that's, like, broken up by a civil war between woke people and, and real Americans. Why was he not at the Capitol? Why was, what has he been doing? I mean, I don't know what he's tweeting because he blocked me a long time ago, but I would, I would assume that I would have seen his takes like come through the tra- transom because even though he had had me blocked, he was always good. I would always find out when he said something insane because somebody else would say, check out this, and somebody like, whoa. I haven't seen anything from him since before the election. He's still around, right? It's kind of blowing my mind. Like, did he just lose his nerve? Because this shit you would have thought when the election was contested and people were going to courthouses and demanding they stop the count and people start saying we're going to go to Washington or the second American revolution, you would have thought he would have been at the precipice of it. You would have thought that he would have been, like, on point, rallying the troops. I'm going to see if he, I'm going to see what he's last, if he's been tweeting. Because this is honestly baffling to me how quiet he went. Oh, did he get, well, this might explain it. He's not, did he delete his account? Ah, oh, there he is. Ah, oh, here he is. Wait a minute. He has a town hall article about how Joe Biden is a draft dodger? Are you fucking kidding me? That's his shit? Where is the second civil war? He's doing gotcha shit? Oh my god. He's calling Biden president? Asterix? What a pussy. This motherfucker was talking about during uh, the George, not even George Floyd, during the fucking uh, Mike Brown protest, talking about loading, watching TV while loading his mags. What a fucking cuck. He's whining about how they're not doing enough unity? Oh my God. Ugh. These fucking... Halfway, I mean, I guess you can't expect anything more from some guy who, like, sat behind a desk in Kosovo and basically acted like he went into Fallujah with the first, uh, first Marines. Ugh, pathetic. Pathetic. I mean, if you see that, if you see that moment pop off after all that running your mouth and two books about it, and that, and honestly... This should have told you all you needed to know about how serious this like insurgency was. Anybody who has a mortgage, anybody who has a little bit to lose, or uh, or is like well secure enough in like the media ecosystem that they don't need to uh, like risk their life and safety for uh, clicks and and engagements, they're not going to fucking risk anything. 
And that is still the, the center of gravity of Trump supporters. What a fucking poser. Oh, he's just whining about celebrities being mean to Trump. Oh, my God. Man. I mean, it's probably good that he didn't go to Washington. He's of the body shape to be one of the guys who keeled over tasing his own balls. Yeah, Muncher sort of has filled the spot for Trump, isn't it? Like our collective expression. Like he is a tulpa in the same way Trump was. I think I've talked enough about Muncher for now, but I might come back to Muncher. We'll see. Yeah, so about the new book, I think I might do, I might do Black Reconstruction, but I'm I'm still deciding. I will uh, I will I will let you know soon though. What's Muncher? Educate this fool. Muncher is us. Consuming, hands and mouth filled, but still miserable. People are mad. Yeah. Oh, man. So there's a recall move for Gavin Newsom. Um, I'm actually kind of interested in how that would work because the way they recalled Gray Davis is that Daryl Issa, the uh, Carl Arm Crook congressman, Carl Arm Crook congressman from Orange County, paid millions of dollars to hire canvassers to go around and, and get signatures. And a lot of people signed them because... Uh, he had botched the the blackout situation, and he had. I mean, it was Enron's fault. If anyone's seen Smartest Guys in the Room, they kind of make en uh, Gray Davis look like a sort of a martyr, because Enron was the one who fucked him over by, you know, manipulating um, the energy supply in order to boost their profits. But he let them do it. He fucking let them do it. He had the ability to fucking actually. He could have seized that shit, and he didn't do it. Because he's a go-along to get along. He's Gray Davis. He's a Democrat. So I have no sympathy for him. Like, people were mad at him for a reason. And, but ISA had the money and did it. And, of course, in one of the greatest cuckings of all time, he did that because he wanted to be governor. He was going to be the guy who swooped in and replaced him. And then Schwarzenegger just goes, hey, I want to be governor. And then he had to endorse him. And just an amazing bit of cuckery. But... For one, how are you going to get? Are you going to get enough signatures now with every fewer people out and about? Uh, and two, has the partisan dynamic changed so much that no matter how bad Newsom is doing, any recall uh, will be will be assumed to be Republican, and therefore will be rejected by a 
California electorate that has turned pretty strongly against Republicans in general. But if he doesn't, it'll be too bad because it would be a beautiful piece of history repeating itself if Newsom got recalled and then The Rock became governor of California. And of course, people say, well, The Rock is a Republican. He would obviously have to run as a Democrat. That's a no-brainer. But I don't think that that would be too hard for him because he's already a, uh, you know, on the, on the, um, on the edge. He's already, he's already condemned, you know, divisive talk and stuff, and that's all you really need to do for Democrats to love you forever. Clooney would be good. Because remember, California is nutty. If there's a recall, it's not like there's a, a, a primaries or anything. There's one election where anybody who gets enough signatures or like files the paperwork can be on the ballot. And so you could get like some celeb uh, Democrat to do it. That would be cool. But Johnson, The Rock makes the most sense as like a sequel to Schwarzenegger. Somebody asked if poser and hustler is a better word to use than grifter, grifter. I don't think that there's any reason to use those terms at all because it is, it's all, the whole question of grifting is the Spider-Man pointing at itself meme. Because the grift, if there is one, is the grift of the presentation of a fabricated reality whereby your participation in online political argument and online political opinion formation is organizing. That is not true. Now, the people who operate from that assumption might not know that it's not true. They might be lying to themselves in order to keep themselves engaged because they have no other uh, way of imagining themselves being. Uh, and others might be aware of it but have justified things otherwise. But it's such a pervasive thing, and it's so undergirds all of these things that like pointing out one person as a grifter over someone else seems to be a pretty small bore. I mean, it's dissecting the grape. Like, how do you determine everyone is grifting? Everyone is operating off of the same shared delusion. Yes, Liz and Brace should run for governor and lieutenant governor of California. America is a grift, someone says. 100%. That's one of the best things about Lodge 49, is that not only did it show what it's like to struggle in this country, the payday loan cycle and... Uh, you know, people putting off purchases and putting off health care because they can't afford it and stuff like that. They get that part, but then what it also really gets is that the people who are making it, the people who are actually succeeded in this economy, are not doing so by creating anything useful or by presiding over meaningful economic activity. 
they are sitting on a nesting, in nesting pyramid schemes. They are there to be names on paper to move around money that is never that never has to be invested profitably in anything, that just has to be moved around and just has to sit. Like the whole sh the the background of the show is that the the big defense contractor, which they call Orbis in the show, which is modeled after Boeing, which is like which has that role in as like a key industry in the real Long Beach, is closing, and they're in the process of shutting down all of its departments and and selling off all of its assets and creating these big and then then dealing with the land that it had it, it had been on, and all and that so that was a real company. You know that actually made shit in the in the Fordist, you know, uh, military Keynesian heyday after World War II, and what's replacing it the the uh, the chain restaurant uh, and the uh, the fake residential development are all just competing scams. And of course, the tech sector, which is the only place where you know, real money has been made in the U.S. economy outside of extraction in the past 20 years uh, is the most exemplary because that's entirely fictional. None of those companies make money. I don't know if anyone has seen the graph that was put, that was put out recently of, of uh, the stock prices of non-profitable tech companies over the last few years. It is a shocking image. And, of course, we now have the richest man in the world being a man whose company makes cars, a few of them, that tend to blow up and kill people. Like, Tesla is a boutique car maker. It's like fucking, uh, it's like Tucker's or Duesenberg or fucking uh, Maserati. It is not like G GM or, or Ford or Chevy in terms of its, its, the cars it puts out. There's no reason for it to be worth what it's worth other than... The fact that Musk has, as I said before, been able to monopolize the brand of a salvageable technological solution to our current crisis. And Uber has lost more money than it could ever make back. Even if it did become the monopoly uh, transportation provider in the country, it could never make back the money that's been spent on it. But that's not the point. The point is not to, to ever uh, make money. The point is to, uh, is to move the money around. And as I've said, with the tech sector specifically, invest in technologies of surveillance and control. And now they're doing a thing with Lyft where like you have to bid for a, a route and like you have to take you have to take a lower rate to get more rides. This is uh, the opposite. This is a this is a uh, I believe uh, Daniel Vesner uh, pointed this out. This is like the old um, this is like the old hiring halls for unions only from the owners, where and where they get to dictate your. Uh, your terms because they control access to the to the opportunities to make 
the small amount of money. And the same way that the online political uh, media ecosystem of grifting, whatever you want to call it, depends on people who want to be grifted because they want their engagement with this to mean something. All of these stacked up criminalities, they exist because we need them to be there. Yeah, the new social contract at, at uh, the World Economic Forum. It's neo-feudalism. If you need a spoiler alert, it is you own nothing. You, you have access to things. You have access to streams of data, to housing, to, uh, to food sources that are conditional on your relationship with the companies that provide them. That You want a good, quick definition of techno-feudalism at like a... Uh, at, at the level of your like economic relationships, that's it. And what that means is you have zero leverage over anything. Not only have you lost the leverage as a uh, as a worker, as a producer, that was lost with the end of organized labor. You have even lost your leverage as a consumer, which was what we were supposed to get instead, which was supposed to be the deal. Yes, you no longer have control over your work, but you have control over what you buy, and that control exerts, uh, allows you to exert leverage in the market. That's still too much. That's too much leverage when people are going to have to exist with less and less. So that has to go away too, and that's the new social contract. All right, I'm going to wrap up here in a minute if anyone's got any more questions well yeah somebody says they're not uh, enjoying the surplus it's really more about the distributing the surplus that other people and machines make elsewhere because remember this is when we're talking about neo-feudalism we're talking about it you know the way that that's going to express itself in America it's still going to depend on resource extraction and uh, labor in other places of the world, part, other parts of the supply chain. And then that surplus comes here and then is distributed at the whim of no longer any kind of collaboration between you know, people and capital that you saw in like the mixed economy of the 20th century, capital unbound. Godzilla or King Kong. Uh, I'll, I'll watch that movie for one thing, for sure. I mean, I, I see a movie if there's big things fighting in it, even if there's CGI. I don't care. Someone who wants to say that they thought my diabetic joke was funny. I, I'm sorry if people were offended by that. I, I was really, it, I was not saying that, like, I was not making a fat joke or anything. I swear to God. I was just trying to make fun of libs, as always. But anyway, um, I will see a movie where two big things fight each other. I actually kind of did like uh, the first Godzilla, even though it was too self-serious. I enjoyed how 
much of a sense of proportion and size Godzilla had in that movie, and also the fact that he was in it so little. A lot of people complained about that. I liked it because you didn't burn out on him. I liked Kong Skull Island. Did not like Godzilla King of the Monsters very much. But, hey, it's Kong versus Godzilla. And what are you going to do? What's wrong with that? Although, it is very funny how they had to make Kong way bigger than he is canonically because, obviously, the size differential is so so big that it's not really a contest. Uh, which, you know, they did that already with the original uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. But the one thing that always made it seem like a mismatch is the fire breath, you know? He has atomic... Fucking Godzilla has atomic radiation. He can throw it at you from across the fucking town. From the, another zip code. How are you as a giant ape supposed to defeat that? And there's a shot in the end of the trailer where he, like, has some sort of device that he uses to reflect the thing. I don't know. They have definitely... Um, in these new Godzilla movies, they've made it a little better, a little easier for God, King Kong because... Um, they've sort of made it so that Godzilla doesn't get to blow the fire very much. He has to, like, save up to do it, which, hey, that could be the case, biologically. But, of course, the real thing is that obviously there's not actually going to be a winner or a loser. They're going to turn on a, a, a real enemy to fight together because they're both good guys. They're both now canonically good guys. Uh, they cannot, one of them can't lose. And that's fine it's just who the bad guy is like i'm sure it's going to be some other scarier monster i would really like it though if it was the people that would be the perfect king kong versus Godzilla movie if they were basically made to fight one another by these humans for their own amusement more than anything or for you know the the dark power designs of some of them and at some point in the fight, Godzilla and King Kong realize that and just start wiping out humanity. But I don't think we're going to get that, sadly. Yeah, like deep ecology. And the thing is, is that they had a, they've had a, a, a weird through line of that in the movies. Because the whole, like Godzilla is presented in these new Godzilla movies, these new legendary Godzilla movies, as like this balancing force who restores the homeostasis within, within the ecosystem once it's been thrown off. And I don't understand how after, now it's three movies, Godzilla has not realized that the thing destabilizing the goddamn ecosystem is not some giant uh, fucking uh, moths. It is us. Man, all right, I gotta, I'm going to go off, but first, I want to say something about that WandaVision show. The amount, the degree to which the MCU people have gone up their own assholes is breathtaking. 
the the degree to which they assume that everyone has not only watched all these movies, and the thing is, yeah, most people probably, most moviegoers probably have watched all of them, considering how much money they made. I'll admit, I've seen them all. But not only that, that they fucking care about all this bullshit. And I'm sorry, those two things are not the same. And I will give Michael Bay credit for this above anything. Michael Bay does not give a shit, does not assume audience investment in the crap that he makes. There are five Transformers movies, which I've seen all of. The lore in them, like the internal canon, changes from movie to movie. There is no internal consistency. Whatever they want to do, they do, and they essentially forget what happened in the previous movies. Because they know you're just here to see some stupid fucking robots fight each other. You're not here to do homework. Like in the first, the first words, the first fucking words in the first Transformers movies are a voiceover by Optimus Prime saying, "In the beginning, there was the cube," and he says that this Energon cube is what created life on uh, Cybertron, and that they're fighting over it. I think in the and then in the second movie, they introduce the idea of like the other this this race of primes who all like killed themselves on Earth millennia previously to hide the matrix of leadership and that there are and that um, even though the first movie showed the cube like making machines come to life when it touched them, they had machines giving, they had like baby robots being birthed out of pods and robot heaven. The fourth movie had a robot goddess I believe, voiced by Kate Blanchett or somebody, be the person who created uh, Life on Earth and also the Transformers. And then, of course, the fifth one had King Arthur and Harriet Tubman as, like, secret Autobot allies through history. None of it is connected to itself. None of it makes sense even internally, let alone from movie to movie. Whereas the fucking smug assertion behind these motherfuckers who make these Marvel pro products that everybody is hanging on every element of this shit and that you're going to sit through 30 minutes of an incredibly unfunny parody of a 50s sitcom because, my God, maybe there's something lurking beneath this, this placid suburban facade. When have I seen that before? so that you can get a few crumbs of reference to the fucking movies that came out years ago at this point. Psychotic. And an imperial logic that is, that is monstrous. And, and uh, once again, give me, give me, give me Bay. Give me Bay's uh, simple, carnal desire to see things blow up and to see women in wet shirts bend over motorcycles. All right, folks. Talk to you tomorrow. We will see how much GameStop stock is up in the next 24 hours. And then I'm, if, if it's still going up, I'm going to feel like a real idiot for not buying some. All right. Bye-bye.